0: The latest edition of Buzzing with Barca. So it's me, Kai, and then also Harsh, we're only two today. So we'll start now because we have a lot of topics to cover. So first we'll, we'll start on the Lavish game where we dropped uh, again as we drew 1-1. Uh, Harsh, what's your thoughts on the game?
1: Well, I think as many can agree, the game was just, you know, horrible to watch. Even though, um, in the end, we did get an equalizer through a Griezmann goal and we did create multitudes of chances. It was just not good to watch. Our defense was horrible, um, sloppy passes everywhere, inefficient running, inefficient pressing. It was, it was a disaster and, Coleman even though he made you know quick substitutions and he tried to make an impact you know subbing up Ansul Fati was just quite um in my opinion just nonsense nonsensical and also the fact that he was reluctant to actually change the system um was concerning and yeah
0: yeah uh yeah I what you said because Essentially what I think is that uh, we're seeing Koeman once again, as you said, uh, reluctant to change his system and that means that he's doing the same error again. And the problem when you do the same error is that basically dropping the points against Madrid, dropping the points against Sevilla or Getafe is basically useless. Before, you, I would say that it was okay to drop points because uh, you. You could say, "Well, uh, I did an error, but now doing errors is nonsensical if you don't correct them." So, I totally agree, and this brings us to our next and uh, our next topic, which is about command substitutions. So, yeah. what did you think? What did you think about them? Do you think they were uh, they actually brought something better?
1: Um. As I said before, um, the Ansu Party sub, you know, Ansu was the only one making chances, who was getting shots on target, who actually pressed the Alaves player to make an error and allow Griezmann to actually get um, on the score sheet and get the equalizer. But, you know, bringing on then Braithwaite and subbing Anstu, who was the only lively player on the pitch, was a mistake because Braithwaite did nothing. All he was there was, you know, he provides some physical presence in the box for, you know, players like Desk to um, put in some crosses. But otherwise, he just had one touch and that's all. But I have to give credit to comment for bringing on Pedri, Trincao and... Um Pjanic. Pjanic totally, in my opinion, changed the game. He, You know, removing Busquets and adding Pjanic to the midfield brought life. And I think we mentioned on the last episode of Bursa, uh, Buzzing with Bursa, was that Pjanic provides us more threat. He provides us with um, more attacking uh, qualities, uh, while Busquets is just there for composure and control uh Padri as well was brilliant once again trincao wasn't the greatest but he was there to provide the much needed with
0: i quite agree with you i think you've said pretty much everything about kyanich what i'd like to add is that we actually saw uh, as you said quick changes which is quite good considering the past of Kuman, who sometimes even brought Subs at the 80th minute, which was, of course, horrible. Uh, And also, I agree with what you said about Fatih that basically he was the one to be the threat, and especially considering it was his birthday, uh, subbing him out did seem weird and almost as if he had no idea who to sub in in a certain sense. Uh, But yeah, as you actually mentioned earlier, I'd like to come back to the point that it doesn't matter which subs does, they won't change the game all that much uh, if there's no change to the system. Mm-hmm. Because the fact is that we can see that this system is not perfect. No system is really perfect. And we can see that there are a lot of problems. Defensively, offensively, we saw no width. And even when Trico came on uh, and that's later, even then the width was, was far from enough. which is a problem that Koeman will have to correct soon, if he wants to, because, I mean, for now, yeah, we're doing draws, which is already not great. But then, uh, especially in the Champions League, when you're going to face top oppositions like Bayern uh, or uh, other better clubs, you're not going to run away, uh, considering how low the chances of a lavish were.
1: Yeah. And another thing I would like to add before we move on to the next topic is Young's positioning. How, like, because there's no evidence or there's no suggestion that Long Lei suffered an injury. So to sub off a central defender for you know a practically a CDM, even though Young has played with IX as centre back for a couple of months, a couple of games, to do that it must it was shocking kind of to an extent because you're practically kind of telling long that you know you're horrendous that i have to play a midfielder in your position so that we make an impact on the game what are your thoughts on it
0: actually what i think happened is that kuman remembered uh Longley's recent suspension uh concerning the yellow cards concerning the penalty and i think seeing that Longley had a yellow card Kuman was just afraid of losing him and therefore decided quickly to get him out before he actually gets a second yellow card. I think mm-hmm. that was the main reason why he actually uh, decided to get on. Mm-hmm. And the second reason is eventually I think that Kuman saw that there was a problem in the midfield uh, between uh, Busquets, which then he sat on for Pjanic, Uh and uh, Frankie, so therefore he decides to move two in one in the sense that you add another midfielder and yeah. you still compensate the defense. Yeah. I think that's what essentially happened. But of course I agree that I hope in the future we won't see that type of substitution again. Mm-hmm. So moving to, uh, to the next topic, uh, which is about Griezmann. So uh, as we've seen in the last matches uh, against Juventus, Griezmann has been performing better in that center. So, what are your thoughts about this performance uh, last match?
1: Of course, it wasn't a great match for everyone. It wasn't a you know a neat performance by Griezmann, but I guess the most important thing is that he can we continue to see some you know link up play with Messi, even though it was quite limited and let's just say scrappy play but the fact that Griezmann managed to get a goal even though he missed you know a couple of chances here and there in the first half the fact that you know he had the confidence to get the chance to act quickly and you know finish um quite well and get the equalizing goal I feel like even though it's not monumental it will be you know it will build up uh, the step it will be the stepping stone for Griezmann to kind of build up his confidence again and I was just happy to see him smile um, as a player because he has looked uh, confident lately but of course there's just a lot more work to do with Griezmann and his positioning and play at Barça because it always looks a bit complicated
0: I would agree with what you said, because essentially, I feel like Griezmann is really the player that, in a certain sense, when you need a goal and that the whole team is actually not doing well, he actually manages. Because when you think about it, last season, he was the one to score the equaliser against Napoli, Yeah. which, in a certain sense, I wonder whether that could be more useful in the sense that There will be probably a lot more games where we will struggle like against a lavish and it's maybe he could be useful in that sense maybe because uh just like coutinho he can shoot and that is important because we've seen a lot of lack when it comes to the finishing product and perhaps if he continues like that and then it depends also on coutinho then he could eventually prove to be that one player to get you the goal that you actually need.
1: Yeah. And I think we also, you know, uh, I forgot about this, but as we, as you mentioned, you know, Griezmann can be a clutch type of player. And, you know, you mentioned his Napoli goal. And I also remember that he scored an offside winner in this match. You know, he had, trink- I think it was Pedri and Messi who linked up. I was Spanish who set Messi up Messi uh tried to play Trinkau and yes. Trinkau perfectly played the ball for Griezmann but Trinkau was offside and you know it's like the perfect um you know like perfect let's say miracle of the one against Napoli in the first uh, leg so yeah if If he had scored that, that would have been incredible. Um, But, you know, if it were, sorry, onside, it would have been incredible. But yeah, just to mention that.
0: I totally agree. So we'll move on to the next topic, which is one of the biggest topics that has been talked about, which is the bankruptcy scare. So according to you, what do you think will happen? And are you worried about the situation?
1: Yeah, I've been worried about this Barcelona's financial situation ever since we made those clumsy deals with, you know, Coutinho and even like the add-on fees for Dembele, then we continued to, you know, buy Griezmann. We had to take a 20 million loan for Griezmann as well. That was, you know, the I think the first concerning sign for the Barca- uh, for Barcelona's finances and just economic wealth and health. Um, and, you know, COVID has just kind of lit, just added fire to the fuel, let's say. Sorry, added fuel to the fire, let's say. It's created more instability for the club. And as Tusqu- uh, Tusquets, I believe, uh, said, uh, and then, you know, in a statement that he said that they, the players need to either leave or need to agree a salary cut because otherwise, you um, the situation is only going to get worse I don't think Barcelona will go into bankruptcy because I think um, we will somehow find a way because we're such a big club but these are worrying times that the fact that we're mentioning Barcelona and bankruptcy in this day and age it's it's just concerning and it kind of tells you the entire story
0: I would agree with what you said especially when you consider that Barcelona was this one club who really had everything to not be bankrupt. When you think about the fact that Barcelona is the only club to have two trebles, when you think about the fact that Barcelona had these players, when you when you think about that and the numbers of superstars like Routinho, Griezmann, Messi were well, there, you really wonder what's going on.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and the fact is most probably that this bankruptcy scare probably according to me existed for a long time mm-hmm. the difference is that it wasn't mentioned uh we saw barely months ago Bartomeo claiming that Barcelona was doing economically well yeah. and we can see that basically that is not the case uh thankfully i'll link that even though it's not a topic uh, of today's is that font actually mentioned that uh in his uh, zoom meeting today he's not worth according to him we can still manage with the right person to actually get back to an unsustainable economic level but as you said i'm pretty sure that there will be sacrifices that will be needed to make it's now unsure whether the players will be the sacrifice uh what will be the sacrifice for me what we have to remember of this bankruptcy scare is that at no point we can allow us to go into uh enhance other than the socials because obviously i think that's what barcelona makes so special yeah. uh is that we're not owned privately and i think that would be really uh the bottom of the bottom and that is why for me the biggest of the bronco scare would be actually uh the biggest problem would be to stop owning this club by ourselves
1: yeah as you said um not being owned by external companies uh, makes Barcelona special. You know, it's that democratic feel and the feel of democracy which makes Barcelona special. And yeah, people think that it will, this bankruptcy uh, scare will just go away, you know, if you just snap your fingers, but it's not that easy. I feel like a lot of sacrifices will be made, uh, will have to be made, as you said. But I feel like we will you know, get through this rough patch and hopefully under um, Victor Font's um, presidency, because I really hope that he's the right one to lead us through this um, period of transition and chaos.
0: Okay, so now we'll transition to the next topic, which is the transfer rumors. Uh, as most read, of, most read, there will be against one rumors about Eric Garcia, whose rumors uh, that the the current board would offer around 8 million for the player. Uh, so what are your thoughts about it? Should should we actually go through uh, these transfers with this transitionary board? Or should we just not sign anyone in the winter and go for uh, with another board in the summer for offensive?
1: I would rather have the new board, new and established board, uh, rather than, you know, people like Ramon Planes and all these other, um, you know, technical directors and sporting managers um, take the decisions because I feel like the new board will have the actual vision and ability to um, purchase the right players and purchase them with economic efficiency. Um for Eric Garcia I think you mentioned a couple of episodes back on the podcast that even though Eric Garcia comes we won't be able to get the best out of him because of how Coleman decides to play Coleman um, you know does not rely or does not like to have as much as of, as of the ball but Eric Garcia is the player who loves having the ball who loves to play with the ball who is better when he is with the ball but um, as for his transfer, if it's going to cost a lot of money, if it's going to cost some economic um, sacrifices and Ill, ill-judged decisions, um, I would go against it. I would wait till the summit.
0: I would totally agree with you because I think that, uh, as we've mentioned before, the economic situation is far from uh, the one we want and i don't think that his transfer should be an actual priority considering that the stake of ownership of our club is at stake so for me uh i've said it before but uh, concerning garcia for me the only thing that's actually important is to get that agreement get that agreement get the agreement with him because he loves the club yeah. uh, we're going to go for you on the summer just wait six months yeah because he can perfectly wait six months Uh, and we can wait six months because meanwhile we have still Araujo, we cannot forget that Uh, and for me that is why, as you said the decisions that especially rely on the future of the club should be taken by the new board
1: yeah, 100%
0: so uh, as we talked about uh, Eric Garcia we have to talk about Pep uh, who denied that he would come back to Barcelona saying that Barcelona was over for him Uh, What are your thoughts
1: about this? Um, I think he's right. And he said this on countless occasions. You know, people have kind of twisted uh, Victor Font's words in the interview. He did not say that he wanted Pep to come back as a manager. He just said he wanted Pep to come back to Barcelona, whether it be on a permanent basis or just to have some ties to Barcelona or just to have him as part of Barcelona's future. But that doesn't mean that he's going to be, uh, you know, a manager or be on the, you know, the touchline. So I thought that people kind of exaggerated and took uh, Rick Font's words out of context. Um, but I feel like maybe if Victor Font does get elected, Chawi and Puyo, maybe even Iniesta in a couple of years do decide to be part of this uh, club and this new project i feel like pep would join as well i don't know what his role would be um, specifically but i feel like he would come back to the club he loves and he has said this on multiple occasions that you know he would come back to barcelona in the future but not as a manager maybe as something else and i hope that happens in the near future
0: i totally agree i also think that people did take very out of contact these words Uh, and especially I think that people forget that basically even if, uh, let's admit Ton gets elated and Thay doesn't get the position he will still have influence because inevitably he's going to stay in contact with his friends because let's forget uh, let's not forget they're humans Uh, and that means that basically it's very likely that say for example Carlos Puya or Xavi or, as you said, possibly Nesta would ask him, uh, hey, Pep, what do you think about this? So I do think that even if he does not get a position, I do think he'd have a sort of influence.
1: Yeah, I totally agree.
0: So, uh, yeah, we totally hope that he will come back, but uh, that's very unsure. Uh, so now we'll talk about another uncertain topic, which is the one of Frick and Elena. Uh, as you know, uh, Ricky was uh, once again this time left out of the squad and didn't travel with the team to, to Alavis. Well, Alenia was called up, but didn't play and didn't warm up. So what's your thought about the two Barcelona Gems being left out once again?
1: Yeah, I think we covered it um, last episode, how we were disappointed. Uh, Ricky not you know even making the squad list. Uh, and even for Alenia he has not played a single minute Ricky at least played you know three minutes but three minutes is still quite it's a sham but yeah Alenia not even playing a minute this season and being considered uh, as being you know on top of the pecking order um, above Ricky it's I just don't understand. And what I would like to say is that exactly, I would say four or five months ago, Ricky played the game versus Alaves in the last uh, match day of La Liga, uh, the 19th. A brilliant game. He assisted a few goals. Um, he played a major part in our midfield. And it just showed the world why we have such hope and love for Ricky. And then now, after that time, um, in the same fixture, um, he's not called up. He's not doing anything. He's just back home training at uh, Ciutat Esportiva. And it's just, it's just sad to see a player of such potential and talent not being incorporated or even given a chance. And the same goes for Alenia. He hasn't got a single chance. And the fact that, you know, you see Busquets performing poorly and even De Jong not being at his best is a time where you use that midfield um, options to allow and get the best out of your uh, players by allowing others to have a chance and create some competition.
0: I totally agree. And I think it's very, not only that we saw Ricky getting chances uh, last season, and even chances against clubs that aren't a level, but we actually saw that him do well against Atletico, which mm. is quite of a club. Yeah. But what I think the worst is is that when you look at the preseason, uh, Ricky and Alenia both performed at least decently, to not say well, when given the chance. And that means that Cummins saw them performing in his system, but went like now nah, I'm not playing them, yeah. which is quite surprising because if you ask any other manager, he'd surely love to have them. I don't think that there will be currently any top manager who would say, I don't want Ricky. Uh, if you give them the option, I'm sure he would get played. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is for me, it seems as if common just doesn't care. Okay. He chose his 15, 16 players, the ones he loves, Pedri, Coutinho, uh, etc. Mm-hmm. Frankie, Janich and Busquets, and just leaves out the rest as if they're ghosts. Yes.
1: Literal.
0: It's ghosts. kind of like
1: Valverde uh, mentality we saw early on. You know, not playing Ricky, not playing Alenia. You know, not even knowing about Alenia's going to Betis. It, it's that type of mentality with Coleman, um, but just that um, Coleman is more willing to take risks. <laughs>
0: exactly I would actually join to that because the thing is it doesn't seem as Koeman realizes that he has a a great squad because if you compare to Valverde or to Setien they had prob. you could argue that they couldn't rotate sometimes because they didn't have the players they didn't have the wingers they didn't have the Mm fullback. but for Koeman you don't have this argument because he has literally depth in almost every position. Yeah. The only position he could actually be blamed mm-hmm. on is the fact that he doesn't have a nine and perhaps the left back and that's yeah. it. Because at the rest, he does have mm-hmm. depth, which is quite worrying to see, but uh, we'll see he, uh, later on. Uh, so now we have to move to the next topic, which is N T T finally coming back. According to mid recent mid report, Umtiti says to come back soon as he's finally back into training. So what are your thoughts about this?
1: Uh, Yeah, we saw a medical report and, you know, Barcelona can't say that, you know, official that Umtiti is back in training or he's at least on the road to recover. And it feels like, you know, deja vu that we have seen this again. Umtiti, oh, is he back? Is he not? You know, he's giving interviews saying that Barcelona is my home. I don't see anywhere else. Like and I don't see myself anywhere else. Um, Leon, you know I love Leon, but I'm not going there. It's like we have seen the same story again and again. And honestly, as much as I would love for Prime Umtiti to come back and help us out defensively, it it won't happen. I mean, he kind of put himself, he put his priorities aside. Um, you know that World Cup where he decided not to get that. Um, get the, um, what's called the medical attention and the sur- yeah, surgery. Yeah, the medical attention and surgery. So that has caused um, this long-term effect of his knee problems. So I don't think we're going to get the best out of him. I feel like he's just another person in the squad, another high earner in the squad who is just a body on the pitch. I don't think he's going to contribute much, but I would love to see him to you know prove me wrong.
0: I totally agree with that, with Umtiti I feel it's like when you know there's an accident and you know you can do anything about it. It just feels like you know the outcome and you're just watching just as a spectator. Mm -hmm. Now the thing interesting is concerning Umtiti, we don't know anything uh, of what Kuman thinks of him, we don't know whether he actually wants him in his squad. We don't know what he's going to do with him. Will he be used eventually uh, to rotate once Mm -hmm. or twice? Now, that's the question what he will do. But I agree with you that I doubt he'll have any important role because he's most likely, unfortunately, to probably get injured again. And so probably for me, the most likely scenario is just seeing him injured
1: and injured again until his contract eventually runs out. And another thing I would like to add is that, you know, I think reports suggested when Koeman took over that he's like forcing Umtiti out, but now he has no other option than to trust him and play him in the team if Umtiti is fit and someone else is missing. And it's just another highlight of how badly this, you know, squad and club has been managed over the years.
0: And it's a shame.
1: It's a shame to see the club in this state, you know, having someone on such a high payroll and, you know, them only doing Instagram photo shoots and um, being injured. Yeah, it's it's just, yeah, it's just a circus.
0: I definitely agree. I definitely feel that, like, most of us Barcelona fans don't literally have the words. Just when we hear the name yeah. of City, we just like not this yeah. again. With most probably like <laughs> So that brings me now to the next topic, because as you know, we're set to face Dynamo Kiev uh, this Wednesday, who then have uh, 13 players who cannot play uh, as a result of the COVID. So, what would be your starting eleven?
1: Uh, my starting eleven. Of course, um, I, I'm i still not sure how ready Ter Stegen is. I would still go with Neto. I feel like Neto can play and provide, you know, even though he conceded that horrible goal, you know, it was his mistake, along with PK's, but, you know, um, I feel like starting him would, you know, give him that reassurance because we still don't know Ter Stegen's recovery. You know, Ter Stegen might start later on in the season but also might get injured so we need Neto to have that confidence i feel like this is a game to help him regain that as for the back line um I've, arau is out so it's long and PK as center back Jordiava on the left or maybe in firpo for rotation and des has to start i don't want to see any reason for sergio roberto to start he started i believe two to three games in a row. I might be wrong, but he started a lot of games. Um, Two games, yeah. yeah, and then I would like to see Pjanic because Pjanic has been performing really well. Um, I would like to rest Frankie and have Alenia. That's my hope and wish to see, but I doubt that will happen. Of course, we have to give Pedri, Griezmann, um, Ansu and Dembele is who I would start.
0: Uh, Yeah, so our journey with the backline, I think that, as you said, I think Neto, overall, he has done pretty well according to our expectations, and I definitely do think that this error that we saw is partly just a huge miscommunication between PK and him. Uh, So I definitely think that you shouldn't judge him over one error. Uh, and then for the back line as you said I would give Ferber a chance because let's face it it's a long time he hasn't played yeah. so we basically have no idea where he's at right now because yeah. he's, still, he's not the youngest but he's not he's still quite young mm-hmm. so with the younger as we know we have to play them otherwise you can't really know where they yeah. are you have to track their progress and the only one only way to track their progress well is to play them so that's why i would eventually give that because we know that if we play Alba too much, he's going to drop his level. It's not like he's at, top, at his top right now. So eventually I think that's one of the games where you can say you're yeah. going to rest. Um, for the midfield, i new, I definitely think that we should start Pjanic. Uh, we've discussed this in the other podcast, the last mm-hmm. podcast that basically Pjanic seems to be the starter for the uh, Champions League game. So I think that's going to happen again. And as you said, I think that Frankie will start, but I'll personally start Ricky, uh, just because I feel that one of Ricky or Alenia has to play. Uh, You can't do it otherwise. And especially that I do believe Frankie does need rest. The first reason is because we're going to have a game against Real Betis who have been doing quite well recently. And secondly, because we soon have the inter- international break and it's more than likely to see Frankie play again in those 90-minute mm-hmm. matches. So I do think that you should wrestle. Uh, and then finally, when it comes to uh, the forwards, out actually start Ansu, out start the Belly as well, out rest Messi, uh, and out then play uh, Griezmann and then Alenia. Uh, because eventually, I feel that Pedri is great at the moment, sometimes at, as a super yeah. sub. The reason is that basically he offers you a lot of flexibility. Yeah. And I feel that in these games where uh, the opposition might be strong, because we saw had done doing well against majority, mm-hmm. let's say. I feel, I feel that, for example, he would be the one to really get rid of that block in a certain sense because he's gonna explore these holes that you need yeah. to explore so that's why i'd actually have him on second half because i don't feel you should just line up straight up your first game plan from the very mm-hmm. beginning um so that's why so uh then we have our match predictions
1: and yeah. Um, yeah so for me of course yeah, that but- just horrendous uh, draw against Alaves, But I feel, you know, um, you know, I, I, sorry, Dynamo Kiev have, I believe, 13 players um, which are out from this match due to COVID. So I believe, you know, this is the perfect opportunity to get in some goals, get back some confidence. Um, I, And I feel like we have been doing that a lot in Champions League usually we are not used to this but you know champions league this season so far has been a place where we have excelled even though we haven't played you know prop amazing 90 minutes each game um we have showed confidence we have put in some goals and we have seen talent and i feel like even in this game um even though it's kind of a mirror um game of what Shakhtar had you know Shakhtar missed a lot of their first team players and but they went on to beat Real if we see that, um, I wouldn't be surprised, um, but I'm backing for a 3-0 win against Dynamo kyiv
0: I feel quite similarly to what you feel, think I think that this problem of this team, more than sportive, is actually mental. Because you have several players that either lack confidence or really do need a change in their mentality and i think that includes fair like griezmann uh and before i would have said coutinho but he's out so there's no point in that but as well more than them uh if messi plays it would be for him the chance to get his goals because lately you've been seeing messi in a sort of weird mood he doesn't play bad but his finishing especially actually since Setien came has just been horrible it just seems like you're not getting the same one, so I think that you just need this morale boost because it's important considering how, uh, how packed actually our schedule is to really get this confidence mm-hmm. to these players because we have no clue how the international break will be, how they'll come back. So I feel that it's better to get them their mood before that and especially before this Real Betis game which I want you to assist them because I don't think it'll be an easy game either. Just like I don't think this game won't be easy either. But I do feel we have this home advantage and that is why I'll be going uh, for a 3-1 mm-hmm. win. Uh, because I just feel like we'll get that uh, goal conceded in yeah. some way or another. Uh, and so then uh, I'll let you start with your monologue.
1: Um, yeah. I think you kind of touched upon it, you started to mention about Messi's confidence and how it seems, not even confidence, but it just seems like he has been off. It's not necessarily that he has been play, uh, playing poorly, but as you mentioned, you know, Setien, as soon as he came or, you know, that start of the year, it was not great for him. You know, his finishing has been off. He. His attitude has not been as great as we hoped it would, especially, you know, with the factors considering that Messi told Bartomeo at the beginning of the year that he wanted to leave um, and, you know, tension going on. Of course, it's easy to disrupt someone's mood, attitude and just, you know, confidence as well and desire to actually, you know, get some goals and play the matches. But yeah. Um, I really hope that Messi gets rest during this game, but I also hope that he comes off the bench and scores a lot, you know, contributes to the game, scores some goals, makes some assists because he needs he needs that confidence boost. Um, we saw that during the Juventus game, how he plays, uh, you know, really well when he feels like it and when he has the supporting cast that are willing to do the work for him and not like in the Alawes game where it's only him trying to make some chances, but yeah, that's what I had to talk about.
0: Yeah. Uh, my topic, because I'll finish with uh, the last minute, though, and that is about the attacking side of Kumin, because we tend to talk a lot about the defensive issues with PK and sometimes when the Borto plays and Longley hasn't been mm-hmm. doing well. But I do think we need to address the attack because the fact is, yes, we do have brilliant profiles, we have a lot of that, but I do feel that there's a problem in how Kuman understands even the principle of attack. Because the first thing is that when you look at his subs, almost all of them are attacking subs. You've rarely seen midfield you've seen midfield for midfield, but usually only to attack. And that is a common error that we shouldn't be seeing which is to think that more attackers means uh, better attack which i don't think has translated in any way
1: yeah when
0: you look at the games i don't think uh that actually we've been doing well and that brings you to my main point which is the quality of yeah. chances because if you look at the interviews after the matches kuman has been saying we've been getting a lot of chances Uh, And it's as if he feels great. Now, the problem is, especially against Alavis, if you look at the quality of chances, uh, which can be characterized uh, with the expected Mm goal XG model, is that these chances were very low. As a kind reminder, our highest chance outside of the goal of Griezmann was about 0.2. Now, that's very low considering... Barcelona are supposed to be one amongst the leaders and Alaves was basically 15th which is very worrying in my my sense and the fact is that it it doesn't seem as if Kuman thinks his attack is doing badly it doesn't feel as if Kuman thinks something is going wrong and that is because if you look just at the attacking players he puts you think oh wonderful he puts wonderful players the problem is that he forgot the midfield Which brings me to my main point, which is that you cannot have an attack without a midfield. Not a Barcelona, at least. Because to have those chances that he likes to have a lot, well, you need someone to generate them. And, well, as you've talked about Messi, he cannot do everything. Somebody has to create something. And that is why, for me, I'm still waiting for Kuhlman to see... A change in the attack not in the players but to the mentality in which yeah. the team attacks To see that there's really been a goal where we can see wow that was a wonderful combination so i'm really hoping that especially in the international break Cummins will work and reconsider that and uh hope that let's say i against teams that are uh, less attacking we're facing on the 21st of november atlético madrid that we can actually create something yeah against because we team. have
1: struggled against them heavily and it's been a recurring theme ever since that we struggle against these ultra defensive teams who you know sit deep and defend and try to counter we have struggled to you know actually break them apart and as you said like i agree because recently barcelona's motto whether it be from administrative viewpoint or even the managers people tend to think of oh, more attackers means you know more chances and that you're actually playing well uh, but honestly yeah it depends on the quality and the ecosystem around the attack because you see heavyweight you know champion champion winning teams like um, Bayern Munich and Liverpool their midfield is built in a way is structured in a way that their attack is you know it plays off of that if you know what I mean and it's it just benefits like the system is so benefiting that that's how they get the goals that's how they get the chances and they do it efficiently and I think Barca is missing
0: I I definitely do agree in the sense that um, if you look at the past Champions League winning teams you can see a recurring topic is that well Bayern we know the midfield. You had in Infiago, a very yeah. brilliant creator. You had a defensive partnership, especially uh, with having Nulek Pressing and Goretzka winning uh, mm-hmm. what he had to win. Uh, and then, if you look at Liverpool, their yeah. midfield was set. You, they knew what they were doing. Bernardo knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. He knew his role. If you Even if you look at Madrid, the the Madrid that won yeah. three Champions Leagues, the midfield was set. They knew what they had to do. And then you look at Bosa and you're like, is that what you have to give? Especially considering the depth that we have, it's quite impressive. So yeah. uh, I'd say uh, this is about it for yeah. our podcast. And see you ne- okay. next time. Bye.
1: Thank you, guys.
0: Bye. Bye. All right.